You're tuned to The Drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. We're pleased to be joined now by one of our uh, favorite guests. That would be Bob Labriola, the editor of Steelers Digest and Steelers.com. Actually got to see Bob uh, live and in person over the weekend wow. at Steelers uh, Rookie Minicamp. Uh, Bob was down there checking out the action on uh, Saturday as well. So, uh, Bob, how you doing? Pretty good. Um, you know, it was nice to actually uh, be back at the facility you know, for me personally, it was the first time since March 13, 2020. Um, not that you're keeping and, track or anything. <laughs> not, well, you know, um, and as much as I always made fun of football in shorts, uh, it was actually, I won't say compelling, that's overstating things, but I wasn't as bored as I normally would have been. <laughs> I hear you on that one. Uh, I was interested to see some of the rookies, uh, as they say, on the hoof. And uh, it was not hard to be impressed uh, with the Steelers' first-round pick, Najee Harris, uh, seeing what he looked like in person. No, I mean, and, you know, it was, it was somewhat, I won't say, well, somewhat funny. I'm a little out of practice doing this deal. I'm <laughs> trying to pick my words here. A little bit funny, coming home after uh, that practice, it was the day of the Preakness. And the, the best way for me to describe um, – what it, what it looks like when you see Najee Harris and then, you know, the other quote-unquote running backs. It's like, you know, when they do the post parade and the thoroughbred is walking next to, you know, the other horse that kind of is just, you know, like walking with them because, you know, they're stable mates or whatever. Right. And it's easy. Like, I knew. He's three hands pick, bigger than the other horse next to him. I can pick, I can pick <laughs> out the thoroughbred in, in the Preakness, and I could tell the difference between Najee Harris and the running backs that the Steelers had last year. So, um, yeah, this, this guy's the real deal. Uh, he passes the eye test. You know, one of the interesting things from Saturday was, um, you know, there were no other running backs. So Eddie Faulkner, the running backs coach, is, is doing one-on-one work with Najee. And um, I guess they're working on his the strength of his stiff arm because Najee would run towards Eddie Faulkner, who was holding a medicine ball. And uh, Ed, when Najee got close, um, Eddie would throw the medicine ball toward him, and Najee would stick out his arm and push it away. Um, now, you know, Eddie, Eddie Faulkner is using both hands around that medicine ball to throw it. And Najee Harris is batting it away with one. So there's that. Like he was throwing uh, a balloon away. Like somebody, yes, somebody like threw a, just kind of. A beach or a yeah. beach ball. <laughs> My hunch like four feet away from his frame. With those <laughs> on yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, this, this, it, it was time, uh, I think, for the Steelers to upgrade, you know, that position. You know, we saw it earlier in the Mike Tomlin era in the offensive line, you know, after you go through Sean Mahan and Justin Hartwig, it's time to draft Marquise Pouncey in the first round. You know, after, you know, seeing Chris Kimoyatu, it's time to draft David DeCastro. And you need, you know, there's coaching is some of it and scheme is some of it, but 
you know, in the NFL, it's a talent league, it's a players league, and sometimes you just have to upgrade the talent. And all due respect to James Conner and those other guys, a couple of whom will be at training camp with the Steelers this year, uh, they're not in this guy's league. They're just not. And so uh, if you really want to make a, a statement um, about improving the running game, and, you know, I think you also, you know, making a statement oftentimes involves more than just saying it, regardless of who says it, even if he's the, the Steelers' president. Um, but when you spend the 24th pick uh, of the first round on a running back in these times, which, you know, according to Mel Kuyper, uh, you just never pick a running back in the first round, uh, which, you know, that makes it true because he said it, um, you know, that, that's a statement. And so, uh, you know, mission accomplished. I think everyone's, uh, everyone's attention has been gotten, and now it's just a matter of, uh, you know, incorporating the pieces and going to work. Uh, Bob, I wasn't fortunate enough to be there for rookie minicamp, but it's pretty obvious that Najee stole the show. Uh, it's exactly what you want. But Fryermuth to me, is a really intriguing second-round pick, and it's an intriguing draft class in general. What do you expect out of the tight end in his rookie year? you think he's going to play a fair amount, be a not a featured part of the offense, but a, a you know, substantial part of the offense? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, offensive coordinators these days are uh, infatuated with tight ends, mm -hmm. you know. And personally, I, uh, I'm not someone who subscribes to that, but, hey, I, you know, I, I'm willing to, you know, to defer to the times. And so, you know, Fryermuth, I think, is going to play a lot, uh, not necessarily meaning that he's going to be a starter. You know, um, it's kind of like wide receivers. You know, you, you can play a lot and never start a game but that doesn't necessarily um, lessen your impact or your uh, potential to have an impact uh, on the offense. So, you know, you can't – Eric Ebron, you know, he can't block me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just uh, – and to me, that's, that's not going to change. There's no way to make him better or competent at that. And so – Yeah, he has trouble blocking people on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um but, you know, I, I wonder if he would even hit the right button sometimes. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so you, you, you just have to, again, this is, a, this is an instance of, you know, you can't do it with scheme or uh, coaching him, uh, Eric Ebron in particular. You have to adjust the personnel. And so, you know, that's what I think Fryermuth is going to have to be able to do to add to the offense initially right away if he wants to be on the field a lot. So, um, you know, I, I remember, you know, back in the Bill Cower days, um, Tom Capers, who was his first defensive coordinator, always saying that if you cannot play the run well, you cannot play linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so now I'm going to flip that around, and if you cannot block – for the run, I don't know that you're going to have a, a big role uh, on the offense for the Steelers. And that even goes to the, to, to the wide receivers. You know, those guys are going to have to get be engaged. They're going to have to uh, make effort. And they're going to have to at least get in the way on the edge and down the field. Because if not, um, you know, who knows? It could be, it could flip from, you know, a guy like, you know, maybe James Washington 
if he does that or is willing or is good at it, and I'm just picking a name out of the hat, if he, you know, maybe he moves up in the pecking order of the wide receivers and sees more uh, playing time and then ends up catching more passes, and then who knows um, when the money starts getting allocated from the salary cap moving forward, you know, maybe they start to look at those kind of contributions from receivers as opposed to just, you know, pass catching ability. So, I think this is a real thing. Uh, I'm not predicting the Woody Hayes offense or anything, uh, but I also am uh, feeling very confident that, um, you know, God forbid something happens to Najee Harris. If nothing happens to him, the Pittsburgh Steelers will not be 32nd in the NFL in rushing in 2021. No, you're right about that. And Matt and I have been talking about uh, this pick a lot, Uh, you know, looking at where he falls or should fall in the hierarchy of running backs around the league, um, if he's 16th or better in terms of overall talent at the running back position or, or finishes in the top six, let's say he finishes in the top 16 in, in rushers in the league, and I think he'll be higher than that sure. because he's going to get the football. And he's got the ability. And he's got the ability. Uh, this is a better football team than what, they, than what we last saw uh, because I don't care what they lost on defense. I mean, I do, but I don't. Because if they have, if they, if he's running the ball effectively, and the Steelers are running the ball effectively, the defense is going to play five to ten fewer snaps per game. Well, and the other thing is, is that you force uh, the opponent into playing a kind of game that maybe um, they prefer not to play. You know, you shorten the game for them, and then when they get the ball, they're not able to, you know, be as comfortable as they maybe were last year, knowing that. You know, the Steelers, even if they moved the ball down the field, they would do it quickly, not eat up a lot of clock. And then you would have a lot of possessions if you needed to catch up or to do whatever you wanted to do as an opposing offense. Um, you know, the thing about Harris to me that is, that is really significant is he's an every-down player. Um, he's Le'Veon Bell in that sense. You don't have to take him off the field. And so... Um, you know, and, and again, so what you're what you're presenting to the opposing defense is you're making them uh, defense everything, but you're not tipping them off what it might be by changing personnel. You know, with the play clock maybe in only about 30 seconds where they have time to adjust. And you know, this guy can do a lot of different things. Um, I don't know that he is a you know, receiver in the Marshall Falk category, but he's more than, you know, run run out uh, six yards beyond the line of scrimmage, turn around, face the quarterback, and, excuse me, catch the ball, you know, when it's thrown into your chest. I mean, this guy has some actual receiving skills. And, you know, the other thing is, um, if he catches the ball, uh, and you know you're wearing no, a number in the 20s or the 30s. You're not happy. Uh, you, you, right? You better bring it because he will run you over or jump over you too. Ask that kid from Notre Dame. That has happened too. So um, he is a he is a dynamic weapon. Um, I, I believe, you know, for me anyway, he was by far the most complete back in the draft. I know there was some um, sentiment. Uh, I'm, I'm not speaking to you personally or uh, Matt personally for Travis at the end. Uh, he fumbles too much for me. Uh, I'm not interested in somebody who fumbles. Uh, Harris doesn't do that. He's a workhorse. 
He can catch the ball. He can run routes. He will block. So you don't, you can leave him in on third downs and not fear for Ben Roethlisberger's life. Um, you know, I, I just, to me, this was, it was and not having to trade up for him or anything, just use your pick. Uh, to me, uh, it was it was a no-brainer, uh, truly. He is what you're doing for the offense at the running back position by picking him is what you did for the defense at the inside linebacker position when you uh, picked Devin Bush. But with Bush, you had to give up a significant amount of capital to go get him. Yeah, that's really well said, Bob. And, and I think even to take it a step further, big picture, these first two selections in the draft – should have immediate dividends in the running game, a tight end that can actually block, a very, very good ball carrier. But I think a bigger key in the big picture here is they're very quarterback-friendly picks. You know, they're, your quarterback's in the twilight of his career. He's going to be able to you know move those guys around, especially Harris in a Levell fashion, and create mismatches. But maybe most importantly – is whoever's next, whether it's Rudolph, a rookie, Derek Carr, you know, on and on and on, whoever the next quarterback here is, should land in a spot that's very friendly for him. You know, a lot of easier throws to these two guys. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing that um, really impressed me uh, about Harris, as it did about Minka, you know, Nick Saban has won some college football games. I mean, he was a failure as an NFL coach, fine, but, um, you know, he, he knows what he's doing in the arena in which he is competing right now. And when he said that Minka Fitzpatrick was the best leader he ever had at Alabama, and when he says that Najee Harris is one of the hardest workers he's ever had at Alabama, to me that carries a significant amount of weight because Nick doesn't just, you know, he's not just throwing bouquets around um, because he's a nice guy. <laughs> So, um, you know, to me, that, that means something. And when you're coming from that kind of a program where uh, you're, the, the bullseye is on your back every single week of every single season, and, um, you know, to excel at that, to go back for another season, to work on some things that he wasn't happy with, I mean, this guy is – he's – He's the whole. He's the whole deal. He's the whole thing, um, and so, you know. Again, I, I believe that this is a pick, obviously, that's going to pay dividends on the field right away. But it also, I believe, you know, you're you're putting another piece into the puzzle of the kind of culture you want to have. Um, he's an example for everyone who comes after him. Um, and, and again, I. I uh, Hey, I'm you know, I'm not somebody who I'm usually a cynic, you know. Show me, um, but this guy, he's a starter. He's a starter rookie minicamp. He's a starter tomorrow. He's a starter the first day of training camp. He's a starter, and he is a um, integral part of this offense and this team today. Uh, and I, I don't really need to see any more from him to believe what I just said. Now, you know, I just hope for the best for him in terms of, you know, all of the other little things that, um, you know, go into a long career in the NFL injuries, number one, because, um, you know, he's going he's gonna to take some beatings. But as I said, you look at him 
And, you know, I'm all of a sudden not so afraid about that. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. for sure. <laughs> there won't be any, uh, hey, uh, Najee, why don't you get down to 220 pounds like Le'Veon did? He's, well, I mean, he's already, I mean, he's, he's cut up. Oh, I know. And he's thick. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, um, you know he, he's, let me put it to you this way. He's already made an impression on um, the Garrett Guimont and Marcel Pascal. Oh, I'm sure he has. I mean, that's a, that's an Eddie George slash Adrian Peterson type body. Like, you look at that, and that's the first thing I thought. I'm like, wow, this, that, that's a running back. Like, that dude is – Doesn't look like everybody else. He does not look yeah. like everybody else. Playing. I, 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 I mentioned to somebody, I, I was looking in with the long arms and the body type and, and, the, and the hair, uh, you know, the, the, the way he has it. Um, he looked a lot like a shortened version of Martavis Bryant, and we know what a, a physical freak that Martavis Bryant was. Uh, you know, with the, with the again, just the, the the physical attributes alone stand out. And then you see, you watch him run around on the field. I thought the most impressive thing that he did, Bob. You may mention that he was the only running back at the rookie minicamp. He took every snap. Well, he's a good I mean, there was no time off. Like he's out there running, and he's running pass patterns, and he's doing all this stuff, and he's right back to the huddle and do it again. Yeah, and you know, a lot of as you mentioned, you know, with guys like uh, Le'Veon, uh, you know, and some other players, we've seen them, you know, come in as rookies and then realized that they thought they were in shape, but they weren't. Uh, and, uh, and I'm going to go back to what what Saban said. It's one of the hardest workers we've ever had here, and so he's in shape. He he's you know he's already at that second season, uh, second NFL season shape. You know when Mike Tomlin starts calling them highly conditioned. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and he's a guy who already knows. Some people have to learn this, but he is a guy who already knows that the game at the NFL level at his position is not about size. It's about um, you know being conditioned. Uh, and so, you know, I, I you know, that, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of a comparison, and it's escaping me right now. But the, the best thing I can say, and I know a lot of Steelers fans cringe every time you compare him to Le'Veon Bell, but you know, just think of Le'Veon Bell without the contract stuff. Right. That's what you're getting with this back guy. in the league for a while. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely the case. I, I see, I see a lot of. Just the the way that he plays the the game is very similar. I can see you know you, you just when you watched him on film, like yeah, that Steelers could be very interested in that. And and as you oh, mentioned, yeah. they didn't have to do anything to get him; they just made their pick. And and as much as people want to rip that, well, you never take a running back in the first round. There's a huge difference between taking, for example, Leonard Fournette third overall, and, and Najee Harris at twenty four. Yeah, you didn't pass a penny soul for him. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, if, if, if not Najee Harris, then tell me who. Right. And, and, well, and, and who better be the number one player at his position because that's what Najee Harris is. Well, and by the time you pick 55th, the best three running backs were, we're gone. gone. Long gone. Long gone. You so, know you know, it doesn't um, – you know, and I will for – for the Mel Kuypers and those kind of people who were looking at this draft um, with that analytics bent – you, uh, you know, you don't do this, you don't do that, value and all that other garbage. Uh, I'm just going to tell you what Dan Rooney told me, um, you know, one time. He said, you know, the problem with those kind of people is they're trying to win the draft. The idea is to win the Super Bowl. And maybe Najee Harris doesn't win you the draft. But, you know, if I'm ever playing that game, um, you know, where they have the 
the trophy presentation at the end. Uh, I'd rather have him or whoever else your Mel wanted you to pick at 24. Big thing I say a lot about that whole argument is ask any coach in the league when it's week 12, early in the fourth quarter, there's a little bit of a rain, you're on the road in Baltimore, tell me if running backs matter or not. If you got to trot out Edmonds or Snell or that guy. You know, I mean, all the analytics get thrown out the door when it's, you know, it's, real time. It's, it's third and two in Baltimore at the end of the season, you know, week right. 18 and this it's year. Windy yeah. and the game matters <laughs> and your job's on the line. And, you know, it doesn't matter what team you are. Here's another one. Remember the um, the Steelers, the coaches, everybody getting ripped for that fourth and short deep pass down the sideline to yeah. Anthony McFarland? Yeah. I've been talking about short yardage with this guy like crazy. Okay. But you throw that to Najee. Mm-hmm. That you got a real chance. Well, yeah, it would have hit him. Not, in, it would have hit him in stride. Right. He <laughs> but what, I, what I mean though is, he has the athletic ability and the and the skills as a receiver to know how the, to adjust to the ball to get his body in the proper position to try and make a play on it. And you know, I'm not ripping. You know, McFarland. Uh, that's just not his game. That's not his skill set. That's you know, like asking Eric Ebron you know, to dig a defensive end out, you know, on fourth and goal at the one. It's not going to happen. So um, if that's the kind of thing you want to do in your offense, then you better get somebody who can make it happen. And this is a guy who I believe has the, the skill set um, and certainly the work ethic to, that if he cannot do it right off the bat, um, he, can, he has the skill set and the want to, where he can be a representative um, in just about any kind of play you want to run. And that's a great point, Bob. And, I, and the other, you know, what I was kind of alluding to is I don't think on third and ones, fourth and ones, you're going to see as many throws or gadgets. You're just going to give it to that dude, and he's going to pick it up. Yeah, nothing wrong with that either. Right. You know, that works. You're that. still allowed to do that in the NFL, yeah. I do believe. Yeah, I did. I checked. <laughs> Just before uh, Jacob called, I, I looked up, I looked through the rule book again, and yes, that is not illegal. Still legal. Yeah, still legal. Uh, Bob, uh, because of that that pick, I I don't think I I think a lot of people are looking at the Steelers this off season and saying, well, they really didn't do much to get better. I think that one player makes everybody around him better. It's almost like drafting, a, like they drafted a quarterback. Well, and there, you know, there, there's also some things I think that, um, you know, and uh, as Mike Tomlin said, I believe it was maybe the pre-draft presser or, you know, one of those where he made the point that, you know, yes, changing personnel um, is, is a factor in improving the running game, but it's also, you know, approach, scheme, you know, those kind of things. You know, I think that some of the, uh, things that um, you know, Matt Canada is introducing, you know, in terms of the zone blocking schemes up front, and those kind of things are going to be, you know, friendly, friendlier to offensive linemen, uh, because I remember, you know, back in the early 2000s, that when Dick, Dick LeBeau came back for his second stint, starting in 2004, and the Steelers were a bitch to run against, they always had trouble. With that outside zone blocking, Casey Hampton, as good as he was, maybe one of the, you know, better run stopping uh, nose tackles of his era, couldn't handle that kind of stuff. 
that defense was constantly getting gashed. And if you have, you know, Edger and James and some of those stretch plays and stuff that Indianapolis would run, Denver would run. Um, and I think that, you know, the Steelers offense is going to incorporate some of that. And so the impression of, you know, the offensive line's um, inabilities, um, I think you can camouflage some of that, too, with, you know, doing things that way. And um, so, it, you know, a lot of times fans or uh, experts or whatever, you know, the only thing that they take into account when they're determining whether a team has gotten better or not is who did they sign in free agency and who did they draft. Um, you know, the Steelers' situation in free agency was ugly, ugly, ugly because of the salary cap. But I think all things considered, they held their own. You know, um, you kept Sutton, uh, you got Alu-Alu back, um, uh, Juju stayed, and Vince came back. Um, and so I think that, you know, you mitigated the disaster in that area. I think the draft was a good one. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the change to Canada is, is going to be something that uh, is going to be helpful. And I like Adrian Clem, too. I think that he has a little bit of an edge um, you know, he can be a, um, you know, we talk so much about the players, the offensive linemen, are they nasty, are they nasty. I think their their offensive line coach has a little bit in, of that in him, too. And so, uh, you know, I'm not predicting they're going to turn into the seven blocks of granite or anything, but I think that they can be representative. And you can help um, – your quarterback and the passing game, as we, as one of you guys mentioned earlier, by running the football, because now you're forcing the defense to play that honestly. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see. Uh, there's a long way to go yet, um, but I just think that, you know, some of the reports of the demise of the Pittsburgh Steelers are a little bit premature. I think that the team will show up for all 17 games and not have to forfeit any. That's probably a good place to start, but uh, that's going to yep. finish it for us, Bob. We appreciate you stopping by, as always. Uh, he is Bob Labriola, editor of Steelers Digest and Steelers.com, always bringing the good uh, good knowledge to us here on The Drive. Uh, I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. Uh, we want to thank Jacob Breck for getting us on the air and keeping us on the air and getting Bob on the phone, uh, most importantly. And we want to thank you for listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio.